Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to a, another week of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that is determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Tom. I'm Julia. Aloha. I'm Anthony. You're really down different language days, aren't you? <laughs> I'm really what? You're really ready, aren't you? I am really ready. You got your eye on that prize. I've got my, although like I just bought all new stuff for vacation Hawaiian shirt shorts everything like that and I had to buy it all blind online because the stores don't have that crap out yet oh I guess they don't too early in the season and uh yeah ugh. I thought they would have that at every Italian men's shop <laughs> year round <laughs> <laughs> every time I think of Italian men's shops I think of that episode of Friends where Chad yep. Goes to Joey's uh, Taylor, Taylor? And he gropes him. <laughs> That's how they measure it. Uh, yeah, sure. In prison. prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, um, as you all are listening to this, Julia is away enjoying time, not working and not recording podcasts. And Anthony has his bags packed and ready to go. <laughs> ready to go. Friday, y'all. 11 hour flight. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> it's like you're earning the time off. Right? It's like you're putting your time in first and then and then you're rewarded. But then then you gotta come home. <laughs> I don't know. There's no way to justify it. Uh, I don't have to. I keep telling people at work, like, if I don't come back, you can probably find me in a little shack <laughs> in Hawaii on the beach selling coconuts or something. I don't know. True. Our shop, true. Man our shop manager moved to Hawaii for a few months. She's doing a missionary work, helping with farming in Hawaii. And wow. I thought that's a pretty sweet gig. Hey, Tom, if Christine wants to expand... Tell her I'll open the Hawaiian branch of Maid. <laughs> it's magical. You know, we're almost through. We're almost the 12th of the way to Christmas at this point. It's a good way feeling? to think about it. I have successfully kept one tree up in my house. <laughs> I'm like whispering it. <laughs> well, we're going. It's it's in our living room. I'm going for Candlemas. I'm going to see if I can if I can keep this up. You know, I've considered that, but I put my tree up on like Halloween night, November 1st. And by the time I take it down January 6th, as sad as it is, I'm ready for my space back. 
if that makes yeah. sense. That's how I feel. But if you if you leave it till Candlemas, you get it up for a fourth of the year. Maybe when I have a house and can just dedicate a room to one tree like you, like just leave one tree up, then I'll try to go for Candlemas. But in a one-bedroom, small apartment, a fourth of the year is a long time to have an eight-foot tree up, taking up half your living room. If my mm-hmm. house were... A th- if my house were atop a hill, we would be living on One Tree Hill right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did either of y'all watch that show? No. no. Neither did I. But I saw a video clip going viral on Twitter from that show a few years ago. Like, remember this most dramatic scene? And it was some guy in the hospital waiting for a heart transplant. And the doctor what? comes out and he trips. And the heart not only falls on the floor... But a dog runs into the lobby. <laughs> Is that for like, real? Is that yes. for real? I asked Sarah because Sarah had watched it and she said it was real. It was real. And was that, that real before or after they jumped the shark? <laughs> I have no clue. Oh my God. Speaking of crappy TV, uh, y'all know Christine <laughs> has serious anxiety. So when Elle got strapped, she disappeared upstairs and has disavowed her family. <laughs> And then I got strapped, so it became much more serious in her <laughs> disavowing of us. Sure. Um, but she said she's used the opportunity to watch trash TV, and she was missing reality TV shows because she never watches them. So she watched the show Love Island. Oh, yeah. the good one. <laughs> she, she watched the U.S. version, and she's like, Tom, this is the trashiest thing I've ever seen. I've never seen anything so awful. And it's like, oh, well, you know, my sister's friend from work is going to be on the next season. And she's like what <laughs> Cassie's friend's gonna be on there she's like and she works at the church and I don't know what Love Island is and she's like I'm like yeah she works at the church and Christine's like there is no way a church is gonna let somebody who let one of their employees go on the show it's just not possible I was confused her friend is going on Love is Blind <laughs> which I guess oh, is a another, dramatically another different one. show a dramatically different show all I'll say about Love Island <laughs> is like, also she, good. <laughs> is is well, well, it's another Netflix one, but Netflix is now doing a reality show where they take fan favorites of all these different reality shows and combine them on a new reality show that looks like hot garbage. It's happening. But if Christine thinks that Love Island, the American version, is trash, the trashiest thing she's ever seen, it looks absolutely classy compared to the British Love Island, where that's trash. Also, TBS, TNT, one of those shows nowadays, I haven't watched it, but I've seen the commercial, has a show called Milf Island, where a bunch of divorced middle-aged moms go to an island to pick out young hunky hunky men. I just saw the commercial. So there's a lot of trash out there, Christine. So it's basically, so it's basically American Pie expanded. Yeah, except they don't look as That's, fake as Jennifer Coolidge. That sounds gross. <laughs> You're just really not a fan. <laughs> no. And, and the guys don't look as awkward as the guy who played Finch. Finch. <laughs> it was so awkward. I do have some fun news to report. During okay. our sick downtime, Allie and I breezed through the first two seasons of The Mandalorian. <gasps> Ooh, did you love it? Well, I had seen it, but Ellie loves it. 
That's like, so exciting. I love that. Loves the Mandalorian. And my hot take I have to share, Mandalorians mm-hmm. are way better than Jedi. Agree. Agree with that. How great does the new season look? That trailer was insane. It and looks it amazing. Like he's properly really... training Grogu now to be a Mandalorian. I know. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Uh, a Mandalorian so Jedi excited. mix. I mean, just imagine what that would be. Oh, I mean, that final shot of the trailer where Grogu throws that giant beast out of the cave. It's little. With his little I... hand. His little <laughs> hand. Ooh, I just want to eat him. I love him so I, much. <laughs> I am I am sad we're losing what's her name. I really liked her. Gina Carano? Yeah. I was about to make a joke about her too. She do you think she regrets her decision to go star in an $878 grossing movie produced by Ben Shapiro? You know, I'm fine with that character not being in the show anymore, honestly. But if they wanted to recast her, they could probably get like Xena, the warrior princess, to play her or something. Oh, I would watch that. Did y'all watch anything from Miss Universe? Not, not beyond the clips they've shown for a myriad of reasons on different late night TV shows. Y'all, what were those people Oh my wearing? gosh. What was who wearing? Any of them, like those Any. costumes. <laughs> they always uh, go. Miss Universe is always like next level on costumes and stuff. A, a coworker of mine said she honestly didn't realize it wasn't uh, something like the Drew, the RuPaul Drag Race. She didn't know it was Miss Universe. And I have a, I have a personal, I have a real problem with the Miss Universe contest in general. Why is that? It's planetarist. <laughs> if you watch, it's supposed to be the entire universe, but I only saw Earthlings on it. Just like, well, all the Brits used to make fun of me when I lived over there. They're like the World Series. It's only Americans playing. It's not the World Series. That's not I true. Mean... They're Canadians. <laughs> Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. Although, um, granted, they're never in. <laughs> I have not watched any of the Miss Universe stuff, but that gave me a good idea for it. one one year when Miss America is coming up, we should do Miss Congeniality as a bonus Patreon episode because I love that movie. Love that movie so much. You give me a reason to watch a Sandy B and I'm in, I'm in. Same. I'm so that ending of that movie where little Shatner singing the Miss America song and she's beating the crap out of the people on stage. <laughs> I die every time. <laughs> oh, so good. Anthony, you, know you called it. What? You called it in our pre-recording chit-chat. You're like, I think this is one of those movies where we're going to spend more time not talking about the movie than we will talking about the movie. See this, Anthony? She looks like well, a yeah, Power so Rangers villain. Kimmel did a thing <laughs> on what each person says in this moment. And they're like these ridiculous rhymes. And he's like, they're literally the worst. That's the best they could come up with. Frogs. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of the best you can come up with, we got tonight. We're going to cover quite possibly the single greatest adaptation of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol ever in the 2022 Netflix classic Scrooge, A Christmas Carol. 
said a lot of words just then. I have uh, I have a lot of notes coming in real prepared, but one thing I don't have is a. I love how you have to, I love how you have to say it rather than just let the episode speak for yourself. You're just saying, listeners, we're prepared this week. <laughs> no, no, I say all of that to say I don't have a plot synopsis, and I feel like that's okay. Uh, I've never heard of a Christmas Carol before. Please tell me what it's about. I'll let you pick it up, pick up as we go along. Um, I'm also going to bypass any histories because we all watched this for the first time this week, correct? Correct. It is an hour and a half of my life that well spent. Julia, did you did did you watch it with any of your kiddos? I did not watch it with any of my kiddos. Just me. Okay. I watched it with Ellie, so I will. Um, oh, good. We'll have some report, kid feedback. Report in later on her feedback. This like is it. directed by Stephen Donnelly, who has limited uh, experience in Hollywood. He's been an art director before, but this was his first. This was his directorial debut. Ooh. It is a musical. And the well, it's music, a remake, right? Technically, we'll talk about that because that's one of the questions I have for y'all. We'll discuss if this has enough continuity with the 1970 Albert Finney version of A Christmas Carol to be considered a remake, or if this we need to look at this as something new. What I will say is the music is based on the late composer Leslie Bercusi's contribution to that film, but it's all been changed. This there there are. It's been quote unquote updated. Can't we say that about the whole story, which I'm sure we'll be able to talk about when we get into it. Let's go through the cast real quick. Our leading character, this is animated, so we're only discussing voice acting. Ebenezer Scrooge is played by Luke Evans, who I think most of us probably know best, most recently as the live action Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. He's yeah, reprived- He was terrific in that. He's going back into the role for an upcoming series that's uh, Disney's putting out of a series <gasps> of Beauty and the Beast. I didn't that know was, that. that. That was put on hold. Oh, it was gosh. a prequel starring Gaston and LeFou. It was supposed to be a musical about them in war, the wartime, and they're returning from war. I want this. But it's put on hold now? Part of the great yeah, decisions it was, that Disney's it was been making lately? It, it was supposed to come out two years ago, and they say... If when you can listen to him and Josh Gad talk, they say it's still in development. But come on, Iger, I need to see this. You have a lot of faith in him. I do have a lot of faith in him. I would like to see it happen, and I think anything with Josh Gad right now would get people's attention, and they'll watch it. Yeah, I'm joking. (gasps) Did you just eh? I love Josh Gad, and I would love to see that show. Honestly, I would too. They did really well together. He was also yeah. Owen from the Fast and the Furious franchise. He was in the Fast and Furious franchise out there, and I'll die on that hill. Sorry, fans of it. That franchise is pointless. Oof. Hot words. Yeah, and uh, they want to cross over with Jurassic Park now, which honestly wouldn't surprise me, given the fact that, you know, they've jumped the fucking... Given the fact that they jumped the shark years ago... Hold up. There are talks of a crossover between Jurassic Park and Fast and Furious. Yeah. There are. They literally, did a car literally jump a shark? 
It probably did. It probably did. I almost guarantee I mean, you a car has jumped a shark in the Fast and Furious or 12, 13. did a car jump with a shark in it? Because that I mean, they're like going special. to space, right? That's not a lie. They're going to space. Oh, I got to. Okay, I'm just going to move on. He was barred in The Hobbit, Vlad in Dracula Untold. And Ugh. interesting side note. Do you remember that? Do you remember oh, when Universal wanted you to do the whole monster, dark universe, a monster verse? It was not good. He has experience playing two different Greek gods. He was Apollo in Clash of the Titans and Zeus in Immortals, one year apart. Um, it is interesting. He almost turned down the role for Gaston. Wasn't really feeling it. And he changed his mind while he was watching the animated film from 91 with his godchildren oh i love that isn't that sweet and luke Evans. i feel yeah. like if anything that would almost make me more hesitant to take the part because i'd be like whoa this movie's a masterpiece i don't know if i could compete with this so good for him for taking on the challenge and i mean fans, any chance to play a villain would be like so much fun i agree he affectionately refers to his fans as luketeers <laughs> okay that's a little big-headed but i still like him i think it's adorable uh <laughs> jacob jacob marley is played by our friend jonathan price who you may remember we covered in the man who invented christmas mm-hmm. he played mr john dickens in that bob cratchit is voiced by johnny flynn who is the front man of the band johnny flynn and the sussex wit he was Francis in Outfit, Mr. Knightley in Emma, and he played David Bowie in Stardust. <gasps> Mr. Knightley, one of my favorite literary characters. Do you know what my favorite character from any Jane Austen book is? Who? None. You don't like Jane None. Austen? No. Oh, wow. You know... Uh, I like I like Jane Austen, but Char- I like I prefer Charlotte Charlotte Bronte. Bronte, like dark, hundred percent, hundred percent. I like both. I love can Jane I just Eyre. have both? You can, you can. Ms. Mrs. Rochester is one of my favorite literary characters. The mad wife locked up in the attic. That was creepy. That is creepy. That was really dark. Yeah. Our good friend Fezziwig, always a favorite on every version of. A Christmas Carol that we've covered is voiced by James Cosmo. And we're not going to go too far into covering him because he was Father Christmas and we covered him uh, in that role for the Chronicles of Narnia. I did want to point out, I was pleasantly surprised to learn that he's a massive fan of The Simpsons and is quoted as saying, if I went on Mastermind, which is very unlikely, my special subject could only be The Simpsons. He says that in complete seriousness. Uh, his favorite episode, if anybody's wondering, is seasons eight, The Springfield Files. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. That makes me yeah. very happy. He also uh, we should we should and we can put a pin in Fezziwig, but we should get into how they changed his character a bit in this one and his relationship. Quite a bit. And, yeah. And what he and what his what he does for a living, for example. Yep. When talking about the Simpsons and making new episodes. He says, you know, I always look at the screen and when it's in a 4-3 format, when it's not widescreen, that's how I know it'll be a good episode. So um, I, my, wrong. my love, I was already a big fan of James Cosmo. 
but his love of Simpsons endeared me even more. His daughter, Isabel Fezziwig, and the love interest of Scrooge is played by Jesse Buckley, who has roles in Women Talking, Men, The Lost Daughter. She did have a role as Juliet in a TV movie, Romeo and Juliet. She was in she Fargo. Was in, she was in the fantastic Chernobyl miniseries on HBO. Ooh, she that was, was in good. Chernobyl. She played Queen Victoria in Doolittle, Robert Downey hmm. Jr.'s Doolittle. And <laughs> I'm I'm thinking of ending things. That's another one we can talk about later because I have a different opinion on that. Doolittle or I'm thinking of ending things. Doolittle. I mean, the ghost, um, I don't want to get into it. The Ghost of Christmas Past is played by Olivia Colman. She's in the current TV series Heartstopper. She was the voice of Mama Bear in Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. She's also done voice work in Ron's Gone Wrong, The Mitchells vs. The Machines, Thomas the Tank Engine. She got critical acclaim for playing Queen Elizabeth on The Crown. Queen Elizabeth II. Yes, 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 yes. yes. She also played Queen Anne in The Favorite. Mm-hmm. She is, was in the TV show Fleabag. She was in The Lobster, Hot Fuzz, the UK version of The Office, Murder on the Orient Express. And she did a role in Drunk History UK, which I did not know existed. And I am so looking forward I didn't to binge know that watching now. Either. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch that. I'm really looking forward to binge watching that. All right. So the title pretty much tells us everything about this. This is the story of Scrooge from A Christmas Carol. It's animated. And it does, it's an offshoot, I won't say a remake, it's an offshoot of, like I said, the 1970s live action musical starring Albert I'll say a remake, they used like six songs from that one. They did, but they made so many other changes that it became something new. Okay, Uh, before we get into it, can we just talk about the broader changes? Like Tap Dancing Frogs? Uh, giving Scrooge a dog okay. automatically softens him. I saw we had in the discussion, you made mention of that. Yeah, then the discussion Simone commented, well, the Grinch had a dog. Mm-hmm. But I, th- the difference was I, we could tell the Grinch didn't actually want to be alone, right? Yes. The gl- Grinch was lonely. Um, in the 2018 version, we see that he was forced into isolation through ostrac- being ostracized by the other kids. That one made sense. Yeah, in the 2018 version, in the live action one, there's that popular theory. With Jim Carrey? Every Christmas yeah. that like Max was thrown away with the Christmas gifts up to Mount Crumpet. And that's part of the reason he hates Christmas so much. Like, it's just trash. Mm-hmm. People throw him away. Yeah. Yep. So we have, I'm going to argue that there's a there's an in- intentional engendering of goodwill that we're supposed to have before the Grinch and that Max sets up the scene Max makes him more quote-unquote human or Whovian or whatever Mm -hmm. I don't see anything redeemable in Scrooge's character or Jacob Marley's because we see Jacob Marley's eternal life is not good everything that we've seen in every version of this including the book is he is eternally tormented for being such an awful human being. Mm-hmm. I can't see him having a dog. And I can't see Scrooge caring after he's dead to take care of this dog. I agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. And frogs frogs can't tap dance. And that dog was way too friendly. Oh, he was Scrooge. so cute. You, she was you cute. know, 
Scrooge would have kicked a dog and mm-hmm. neglected it. It would not have been a big. And let's fluffy. just talk about the style. One, I'm not a fan of this animation style at all. Did the general. dog? Oh, but did B, the dog? Ha- oh yeah, go on, Tom. Okay, sorry. Before we jump, before we jump from the dog, did Scrooge's dog remind you of Doug from Up? Yeah, yes. I can see that. I felt it was a cheap knockoff of Doug. Yep, but yep. you know what? I'm glad, in a way, I'm glad they added the dog Prudence to this adaptation. Prudence, thank you. Because that was the only character I liked in here. Um, let's talk about Scrooge for a minute himself. A, I don't like the animation style in general, but B, me and Julie were kind of talking about this off mic yesterday when we were going to record time. Why did they make Scrooge so young and good looking? He's supposed to be much older, much more stooped, and like he's supposed to be as ugly on the outside as the inside. And they didn't portray that at all with how they designed him in this movie. That was no, one of the complaints we had. That was one of the complaints we had with Kelsey Grammer as Scrooge is that he didn't look as aged and weathered as. Well, I would call. Right? I would call him like a good-looking Scrooge, though. I was about to say I don't recall referring to Kelsey Grammer as good-looking. No, but that he wasn't made out to be as haggard and weathered. As... Right. No, no, we did. We did not think he was. That was not Kelsey Grammer at his finest. <laughs> um, yeah, that yeah me. no. It didn't make sense at all to me. And you know what that buys you. So having like a miserly looking Scrooge buys you a lot in unspoken, you know, in inferring, right? Instead of just being told. So like for, okay, number one, this is like a full hour and 41. It's a long It's a long movie. And I feel like so much of the beginning was spent telling us, telling us how bad Scrooge is. Scrooge is awful and terrible. And if he would have been stooped and old, you would have inferred some of that already. Well, we all know Okay, look at it's not your favorite Disney's A Christmas Carol. All Jim Carrey had to do that, like that's how I picture Scrooge in my mind. He looked yeah. very Scrooge-like. He does look all Scrooge-ish. He, all, all he had to do was walk down the street, not saying yeah. a word of dialogue, and you knew, oh, that guy is a miserable old man. Right. Uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. Granted, it's a musical and they had a whole song about how awful he was, but they established it in two minutes compared to 15 minutes here. Well, even when we saw Scrooge, he was a total jerk. He walked through the street urgent, these these street urgent kids Mm -hmm. who end up being Bob Cratchit's children. (laughs) That's a choice. And one of them like mouths off to Scrooge and doesn't know it's Scrooge until he turns around. And in every other adaptation we see, there's a general presence that Scrooge- Like the whole city knows to avoid upon him, everybody. know who he yes. is. Mm-hmm. I imagine him walking down the street and people seeing him whispering and moving out of the way because he's so vile, right? Right. It's, it's the, it's what I want to achieve in life. I want to <laughs> walk down the street of New York and have everyone parting for me and whisper about <laughs> I was actually gonna. I was actually gonna say it reminds me of what it's like to to go into a bar with Anthony. <laughs> so we have Scrooge. He comes on the scene after having noise vomit about him shoved in my ears for far too long. 
and dialogue that's poorly written. Before we get into the dialogue, though, I think we forgot one important thing, and that is just how abysmal this design choices and the animation choices that the that they made. Yeah. These are terrible. Mm-hmm. It looked cheap, like cheap animation. It looked very, very cheap. Yeah, we'll get into some of the specific character designs as we go along, but they made some choices with some of these characters that I was like, what were you thinking? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I didn't like any of it. I didn't like the way he looked. I didn't like the way he, we, he interacted. I didn't like meeting the street urchin children that we're supposed to be, we're supposed to have feelings for that I don't. Mm-hmm. But we end up seeing Scrooge going into his house which he, or we see him going into his shop and he causes Cratchit to spill ink when he walks in and immediately tells him that he's going to have to pay for that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Waste not, want not. Yep, waste not, want not. And Cratchit is a beaten puppy. He Just... Aren't we supposed right? to feel like sorry for Bob Cratchit? And we're supposed to be endeared toward, towards him. And like, I didn't give a rip. He was obnoxious. He was he was whiny and insufferable. Yes. We have our we have our first song that's played by Harry Huffman, who is our why did they change his name? It's narrator. Fred. It's supposed to be Fred. Yeah. He's he's Harry Huffman, who is Scrooge's nephew. And um, we should have probably mentioned him. I didn't. He does have a big enough part. He's played by Frey Fee, who, if you know if he was in Les Mis, Cinderella, Pixie, Hawkeye. He has a song where we just learn Scrooge's nephew just loves Christmas. (laughs) Okay. I at least understood what they were going for for the song. They were establishing not just him, but the whole city loves Christmas. Everybody except Scrooge. Right. This is a new song. Right? Oh, it's new. Uh, This is definitely not something we can attribute to our old version. Uh, How do we feel about this song? I mean, at least... It was upbeat compared to some of the later songs, but I didn't find any of the music in this very that good, like in terms of the songs themselves. The kids were memorable. The kids were singing. I felt like it had every component that should have made it a good Christmas song, but it just it (laughs) fell flat. I mean, look, we we are all on record as not really caring for the Albert Finney version of this either, from which some songs are lifted directly. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find any of those memorable. But at least one of the songs towards the end we'll get to got stuck in my head for a little bit afterwards. And it was pulled directly from the Albert Finney version. This next Forgive one me. that we have is called Christmas Children which is pulled from the 1970 version. It's sung by Bob Cratchit. And it also just doesn't do anything for me. Do you know what I don't like about this movie, among other things? 
So it feels overacted, like drastically so. And to have animated characters overacting, I feel like takes a conscious choice. Um, but like every character in this thing is an overactor. And I don't like that. I also don't feel like, I don't feel like the songs connect with the setting and the stylized, you know, like it, they don't fit like at all. The -hmm. temperature of the songs don't fit the temperature of the movie at all. And I don't know why it worked with Finney. I mean, I would argue it didn't entirely work with Finney, but, (laughs) but it, it like really feels disjointed in this uh, re- Yeah, because so much the so. animation style tries to make this into a much more whimsical story than it is. Well, and it's just like you wouldn't hear songs like that in this that in the day and age that Scrooge is set. You just wouldn't. No. You just wouldn't. They're poppy. I don't need a pop song. And I also feel like they tried to make this movie um, like if you're sitting in a theater watching a musical on stage. And I know that lots of Disney movies are musicals and that's like totally fine. Cause I love a musical, but this one feels like a stage musical versus just an animated movie that has songs in it as well. And say, I don't like the that. Spirited. <laughs> a perfect example. Another Christmas Carol adaptation that came out this year. That was a musical spirited, uh-huh. which we all loved. Uh-huh. The songs worked and it, it felt like I said it in the episode. I would love to see this on stage one day. So it had that quality mm-hmm. to it, but it wasn't so abundant where it took me out of the movie. It fit in the world of the movie as well. Right. I agree. A lot more okay, successful. So my pushback I'm going to give you both on this is I don't think we're the demographic for this film. Like how much Ellie, younger do you think the demographic is? Ellie loved it. Oh, okay. She loved all the colors, the movements. I think the exaggerated actions from the uh, from the characters resonate with kids. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's where the the discontinuity comes from. The thing I don't understand, knowing that it's made for kids, is I don't understand the choice for all the songs. I yeah. wait. I'm, I want to push back on you a little bit there, Tom. I will agree. Oh, no, Ellie did like it. Ellie loved it. No, no, I know, but <laughs> I will agree. I'll agree that we are not the demographic for this. But by that logic, I wouldn't say we're the core demographic for things like the Muppet Christmas Carol or Mickey's Christmas Carol or a bunch of the younger versions we've covered since we started the show. Okay, that we adore. I think- I but, think Muppets transcend a demographic. And Muppets was part of our childhood. We all had. Yeah, there's nostalgia there for we sure. We have nostalgia that we don't have like. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that. Um, I'm saying I think the reason they did the overacting was to reach those kids better than us. But um, that resonates. I'm sure that's spot on. I want to see what Jude thinks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious. That means I have to watch it again. I was about to say, really Julia don't want is to not going to put it on again. Or we do a play date and put our kids in front of a TV and we drink oh. alcoholic beverages. 
<laughs> now you're talking. I know I've I've got the right idea here. Uh, so Scrooge goes into his room and he's greeted by Jacob Marley. Can we talk about Marley's design? What is up with the the eyes, the eyebrows that are flames? What? It felt a little bit like they were borrowing from Hades, which is it like was a sacrilege. Very much borrowing from Hades. That yeah. was Hades. The way the flames moved on his as his like physical attributes was a straight rip from Hades. And the yeah. coin eyes, I get what they were going for, but yeah. mm-hmm. I hated the, the whole design. Mar- Marley is supposed to be by far, with maybe the exception of future, the creepiest ghost Scrooge sees. Mm-hmm. And this guy was just goofy. <laughs> he was. He was. He wasn't scary at all. He was a bigger, a healthy-sized man. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Which he, also, he almost... in this narrative, Marley and Scrooge weren't contemporaries. Marley was his employer. And Scrooge was Marley's protege. Okay, at this point, Marley's been dead for seven years. He was much older than Scrooge when we see the flashback scenes with Christmas past. He was substantially older than Scrooge. And he didn't look that old. I I don't like this take. They should be contemporaries. I I don't mind them being contemporaries where Marley is a little more the pushier partner and puts Scrooge down that darker path. But mm-hmm. I don't like him being in Marley's employ. I think that's a weird choice, and that didn't work for me. Nope, did not work for me either. At all. So we had that weirdness. Marley goes away. Scrooge, of course, it's indigestion. That's what he always says. Bit of undigested then we, cheese. Then we meet <laughs> Ghost of Christmas Past. She was. Cute. I thought the choice for her was the only choice i enjoyed in this film she was mm-hmm. a candle she was a candle so she was made of wax her <laughs> head was on fire the wax can mold and shape into other people mm-hmm. but she takes him she takes him to see his past well and she's also this... takes the form of a singer that scrooge saw on a poster in town which is weird yep that was that was weird that was just, I think that was just to show off animation, honestly. Probably. I mean, unless you go for the whole, you know, it's a dream thing, then, you know, he's pulling from real life. But... So yeah, she takes him and his dog into the past, which is weird. But well, okay. the floor opens up and the dog falls in. The floor, the floor breaking like ice was <clears throat> kind of cool, but I don't understand how that took him to the past. And this whole look of falling through some sort of multiverse to get back in the past <laughs> was re- really dumb to me. I thought it looked awful. Yeah. But we go back in the past. And what we learn here is that Scrooge worked for Fezziwig in a factory. Well, before this, one bit of the story I did like, and I don't know if this is canon. I did not. I try to read A Christmas Carol every year. I didn't get to it this past year. Did his sister die giving childbirth to Fred or Harry in this case? Because she did in this movie. And I thought that was a nice touch and kind of why I could see why he would be a little. um... So we see in the book, Scrooge is away at boarding school 
his beloved sister fan comes to take him home. And this is one of his happy memories is her taking him away from school, which he didn't like. And this becomes a good memory of his. And then later we learn that she died giving birth to Fred. Okay, so it is canon. Oh, Fanny Dickens did tragically die at only 38 from tuberculosis. Okay, so she died. So that explains then in all these adaptations, Scrooge's uh, relationship with Fred a bit. Because I can see, you see that in real life. You saw that in Harry Potter with Snape and Harry when the remaining child of somebody you loved who is no yeah. longer there uh you can kind of be a bit cold to them okay but i like that in this movie that they kept that the sister died giving birth to harry yeah i did too so we see it we do learn that he his sister was close to him she took she was a sense of love for him early on and we don't see scrooge as a bad person in his early years we do he find that he's got a bit of a complex because in this his father was in debtor's prison Mm-hmm. I don't think that was canon. Well, we know Charles Dickens' father was in debtor's prison from the man who invented Christmas. He was. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Not only did Scrooge work for Fezziwig, he also was engaged to Fezziwig's daughter. Isabel was his Fezziwig's daughter in this adaptation. And I didn't necessarily hate that choice. <laughs> I didn't either. We do see that he never actually broke up with her. He just never he ghosted he, her. He kept putting everything off saying he'd be with her later. She there's a there's a pinnacle scene in their relationship where she comes and she's talking about wanting to be with him. She doesn't ever see him anymore. In the middle of her talking, Marley yells at Scrooge from another room, and Scrooge tells her him. Scrooge tells her later, and we see her take her ring off. And well, present, she... present Scrooge is screaming at him, like like is doing everything he can to stop this from happening. Well, she also witnesses Scrooge closing down a bakery because he they they're late and the baker is bob cratchit's father which uh, i thought that was dumb like everything's connected no not everything needs to be connected no not everything needs to be connected and the way we see it is because bob cratchit has two different colored eyes and why why, why would bob cratchit go to work for the man who shut his father down anyway well that's the thing he said does does Cratchit remember this and she says no. So apparently Cratchit didn't remember that Scrooge is the one who set him on this horrible path. Uh can we talk about the ghost of Christmas present since we're just about there? Absolutely abysmal. He did him. How do what? you screw up the one ghost who in every adaptation is done right? Why do you have the most these weird little one. sprites? Why do you have these weird little sprites flying around him? They <sighs> reminded me of the Gilderay Lockhart's pixies in the Chamber yes. of Secrets. Okay, I or... thought you were the elves from Christmas Chronicles. That's yes, what they reminded me of. Like a cross between the two. Yep. So weird. The the choices they made where he lived, he was like we talked about this before in the original book, the illustration of Christmas past or Christmas present 
has influenced so many movies and it always looks good. It's always a character you like and you relate to. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how they got, I would say, I don't know how they got this one so wrong, but they got so many of them so wrong. He was mm-hmm. cold, like not personality wise, but he looked cold. He wasn't bright and warm. He was, no. they used odd shading like blues and icy looks for him. It didn't work for me at all. Mm-mm. It didn't work. When we see him taking them to Christmas present and we see things like, you know, little Timmy. Worst Tiny Tim in any of these adaptations? I think I'm not, so. I'm not calling him Tiny Tim because he didn't fit a Tiny Tim image to me. This, I, hand to God, this may be the only adaptation of A Christmas Carol we covered where I didn't feel a twinge of sadness when he dies later on. Me either. Well, the, the whole setting, the way they made that scene failed on every level but we'll get to that in a minute we have to get to the awful way that we end up in christmas future (laughs) uh so we see tiny tim and he's coughing and again i'm with you it's not evocative there's no feelings that i'm brought to seeing this kid Uh, no and even the family around him isn't reacting like they normally do like this kid's about to die right there, it doesn't evoke any sort of sympathy or empathy. It doesn't endear me to the family in any way. Uh, so that's going on. And then we go see his nephew who's toasting him. And we find out why his nephew keeps trying to, to engage Scrooge and wants Scrooge around. Everybody in the room despises Scrooge. But he's like, you know, my mother loved him. So there has to be something good left in there. She would, my mother would not have been so would not have been so close to him had he been this awful person forever. And I like that bit of, I like like that bit of dialogue because it does explain why Harry keeps trying with him. Because we don't have any reason to know why Fred cares at all. Right. In the other other adaptations. That was a win, a small win in favor of this one for me. So we go through present and then there's a weird morphing of the ghost of Christmas present where he and his little pixies turn into demoniacs. (laughs) I don't know how else to describe them. (laughs) He doesn't look that much scarier to me than Bob Marley's character tried to do. How do you mess up the ghost of Christmas future? The simplest (laughs) design in the whole thing. (laughs) That's what you just said about present. It's a hood. That's it's it. a hood. Mm-hmm. But they ruin that. And the, the dark pixies that are now ill-intended did not set with me at all. Nope. No. Me either. They're, and them scaring prudence just didn't add anything to it. So we have the same thing we always see. We see this kid that we don't care about is dead. We see Scrooge is dead and they're well, well, this is, and this is a song that got stuck in my ear. And this is the only one I remember from the Finney version too. Thank you very much. Thank yep. you very much. How, yep. how, how Scrooge didn't realize it was his casket when the casket said Scrooge. I don't know, but I did appreciate <laughs> that it was his dog who had to point it out to him because the dog realized they're not celebrating you, man. No. <laughs> and they're, the guy goes and like jumps up and dances on the coffin while it's being carried away. The coffin, which says in big, bold capital letters, Scrooge. Yeah. Somehow this Scrooge didn't realize that. No. So he's <laughs> hauled away, thrown in the ground. People still talk trash about him while he's being buried. I did like that was an elderly dog that showed up to the grave 
to pay her that respects. Was, it was cute. That was sweet. Before she absconded to parts unknown. She was not like Hachi and waited for <laughs> waited to die at the grave for him. <laughs> and Scrooge goes back. We have a typical scene. He opens his door. There's some dude working who tells him it's Tuesday. He's like, but isn't it Christmas? And he says, yes. Has kids go buy food. We flip the script a little bit and he decorates his home for Christmas. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't like that. I like the visuals of the tree, though. The tree looked really nice in this scene. I like the visual, but I don't know. I prefer him scaring and shocking other people by showing up randomly at the parties he never shows up to. Yeah, And this feels a bit entitled that he just expects everybody to drop yeah. all their plans and show up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. After spending the past however many years telling them to basically F off, Christmas sucks, bah humbug. <laughs> Then Christmas morning, hey, come over to my place. <laughs> yeah, because he's he brings the Cratchit family at, with all the kids. He brings Harry and his wife. I did like ranch. that he gave Harry a doll that used to belong to his mom. That was a nice yeah. change I liked. Well, it was the doll that he made for Harry's mom when they were kids, which was really sweet. And then he has the 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 beggar women who are, are the alms collectors alms yep. to the poor. he invites them too because you know they don't have families or anything and he said he knew where those random ladies who knocked on his door lived and everything about their lives seemed odd an odd choice for me but then he gives them a thousand pounds a year for their charity like you said he gives fake fred he gives harry the doll that will that he made for his mother that was special to her and then he makes bob a partner yep and promises tiny tim he'll be able to pay his medical bills now with his raise yep the end but like who even cares who cares exactly who cares and now scrooge is just ruined for me i assume he lives another month and dies and everything is great and he doesn't have time to go back to the whole place. <laughs> you know what if any <laughs> Thanks, scrooge deserves that it's this one <laughs> So I didn't I did like it. There's not a single song from this playlist, or there's not a single song from this soundtrack that is going in on any of my Christmas playlists. No. And I consider I consider that a, a pretty strong indicator. Uh, I want to <laughs> share a little feedback we got from a friend of ours, Mr. Mark Lax on Twitter. Hey, Mark Lax. He chimed in and said this was not a true remake. A couple songs, a character or two, that's it. And a dog, no, just no. And then I replied to him and said, so not a fan, A, with a little bit of snark. And he said, hee hee, my favorite story of all time. It's sad how much I know about it. Sounds like the ravings of a madman. And yes, I absolutely did not like this movie. But next year, there'll be some other adaptation, which will hopefully make up for it. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, I'm going to push back a bit and say, I think this is a remake. This is exactly what a remake is. They don't just shoot the movie shot for shot. But they but changed it, the characters. Fun, they fundamentally changed the characters, though. I, they change the characters. They add other key, key people. They change entire storylines, like Cratchit's kids being street urchins and begging, and Cratchit being perfectly cool with this. 
this new this new silver fox Scrooge with illustrious head of hair <laughs> that makes me jealous. Not it's funny lie. you said it's funny you said silver fox because I thought of Julia were watching it. I was like, that's a good silver head of hair. It really is. He's good looking. Like, he had Dempsey hair, y'all. He did have Dempsey <laughs> hair. There's Best maybe not descriptor. enough. Yeah. Uh, this. I have some feed. Oh, sorry. This episode got us a, a lot of feedback across all of our socials. Uh, Anthony, you want to share what findings you have on our Facebook group from from our friends? I would love to, Tom. Thank you for passing the ball, the baton to me. I appreciate it. Thank that. you for picking it up. Um, our friend Rachel Peck wrote, I thought the music was really poor, not catchy at all, and overly dramatic and loud. Um, that says not... something for Christmas music. We've talked about how easy it is to make catchy Christmas music. Mm-hmm. With uh, the budget this movie had, I'm anyway i'll stop yeah the budget this movie had and did you know it got a limited theatrical release in november in the states no yeah it did glad i didn't wow. know that because i would have tried to see it and i would have gouged my I'll, eyes out i'll bet it made more money than ben shapiro's new movie <laughs> not hard to do um <laughs> as tom said earlier there's a bit back and forth about the fact that scrooge had a dog um lauren simone said pointed out the grinch had a dog Having said that, I haven't watched this and it does seem weird. Uh, it was weird. I feel that they added the dog because of the Grinch. I bet if the Grinch didn't have Max, they never would have put a dog in this story. They hmm. equated the Grinch and Scrooge. And while similar, they're two different characters. As we talked about earlier, we're supposed to have a sort of, we're supposed to see the re- Grinch in a sort of redeemable light from the very beginning. They're trying to make him all Grinchy. Yes. <laughs> um, Brendan Lowe of Holy Batcast, for those Batman fans who want to podcast out there, excellent show, um, wrote, when I saw this was released, my only thought was another version. Also, <laughs> coming out the same season of Spirited didn't help. No, it did not. Don't um, we all, haven't we all come to expect new Christmas carols every year? Yeah. Yeah, I totally do. But I, I agree. I, I don't know why you would release a Christmas Carol story the same year that one's being released with Octavia Spencer and Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. This could have been a beautiful masterpiece and it would have been lost. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, <clears throat> having said that, I don't think if this was the only adaptation we got this year, I can't speak for you two, but I don't think I would have liked it any better. No, I I do. I just think spirited for how different and all the liberties that story took really threw into sharp relief how you can take liberties of the Christmas Carol in a way that works in a way that doesn't. Absolutely. Um, and then Ball Isa wrote, "I tried and had to stop. I would like to watch it in its entirety because I don't want to say anything bad about a film that I haven't finished, but I hated the little I saw." Normally, I would applaud that, as as we know from past episodes, where I'm like, Tom, you just need to finish. But I can't, in good conscience, recommend you finishing this one. But who knows? Maybe you'll like <laughs> it. But don't say we didn't warn you. That's the truth. 
Julia, uh, do you have any feedback for us from Instagram? Oh my gosh, my phone wouldn't turn on. I do. We had two comments on Instagram, um, one positive and one that liked the movie and one that didn't. So we'll start with the positive one. Um, Sweet Mermaid fan commented that um, I thought it was incredible. I loved the animation. I am glad. I'm glad there's people out there that enjoyed it and got a kick out of it. Curious yeah, if Sweet Mermaid fan uh, watched it with a child as well. Since I'm also Tom really planted hoping, that seed. I'm also really hoping she made it this far in our episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then we had another comment from the Christmas guy, 365. Um, I've been looking forward to this episode because I hate this film in all caps. It was ex excruciatingly boring. I love most Christmas Carol versions, but this is the worst one I've ever seen. Also, worst Scrooge of all time. Strong words. I can't argue with that because I'm thinking... Yeah over all the Scrooges we've covered and I can't think of one I disliked less. Yeah. Hmm. I'm curious what other listeners think, but uh, before we get into where they can let us know what they thought, um, this is obviously a Christmas movie, dude, but did y'all think, look, it had a Linus moment, but it's weird for me to say this. The Linus moment was not effective for me. And it's weird for me to say that in an adaptation of A Christmas Carol, especially because we said in the past, a Linus moment could easily be supplemented with a Grinch moment or a Scrooge moment. And this moment, yeah, it's there, but it was weak and didn't work for me. So I'm curious to see what you thought. Agree. I couldn't care enough for it to be yeah. a, a true Linus moment. Well, and the whole thing didn't feel Christmassy to me. And well, it also made me think about all the other uh, Christmas Carol versions we've watched, right? Where he goes into the last ghost already somewhat repentant and softened. And he's not. <laughs> he's like still an a-hole when he gets to the last one. Yeah, usually he goes to the last one kind of like, okay, just show me what you need to show me. Right. And in this one, he's not. It's like yeah. nothing's happened. Anyway. Yes, there's a Linus moment. It's super duper weak because um, I don't care about the Scrooge or anybody else in it. I think what makes this movie even more disappointing in my mind is it's a Netflix production. And Netflix has been holding its own in recent years with Christmas mm -hmm. movies, the originals. So They really have. And it, and it had some talent behind it. And that makes it even sadder to me. So what would y'all rank it? Two. I'm coming in at a half. I'll go 1.5. That gives us an average of 1.33. Ouch. Hello. Been a while since we had one that low. Yeah. You are not going to believe this. It comes in just under the 1970s Scrooge. <laughs> uh-huh. And which came in at 1.37. Whoa. And just above, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. You know what's interesting? Wow. You can say a lot of things about our list and how flawed it is, but the three of us really have certain tastes because between this ending up there, Violent Night tying with Die Hard, like 
<laughs> we're pretty consistent with how we rank certain movies, I think. I think so too, because I don't reference them prior to voting. I don't look at other movies before I vote. Yeah. Mm-mm. Oh, that's insane. Well, we, as you can see, we really do like hearing from you all. Anthony is back to running our Facebook. So um, you can expect to see more stuff because he's way better at that than I am. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome back, Anthony. Um, you can you. find all of our social medias at, t- at linktree.com slash tis the podcast. There you can click and go to our Twitter, our Facebook, Facebook group, our Instagram, and our very where for as little as a dollar a month you get bonus content plus you can get stickers and pens and other swag plus a holiday card from the elves every year when new content will be going up i am actually recording something friday night with our good friend matt spaulding and chris evans of gathering of the geeks on youtube um we're recording something for the super bowl we're recording in episode of what we do in the shadows where the vampires get invited to a superb owl party from one of their oh i love it (laughs) i love that show (laughs) i have a question of the week for y'all oh funny i did too what's yours oh well i this one is kind of a question of the week but it has to be answered on the spot so hmm. with us taking a two-week break for Julia's anniversary trip and my Hawaiian trip, what is some content out there listeners can either listen to, watch, read, etc.? Not necessarily to put them in the Christmas mood, but, you know, to get them through two weeks. What's some stuff out there you're enjoying right now? Well, I can kick that off. Our good friend and person who does not hold a Dundee for the worst on the podcast, Julia, recommended (laughs) I read a book series, Red Rising, and I am almost finished with book four, and I am still hooked. (laughs) I told told Julia last night, Tom, I have those, that whole series downloaded for my plane and Hawaiian trip, so. Awesome. I did, I do want to say that I think White Lotus is ridiculously overrated. That was like a, a right turn. Well, uh, I want to give a good recommendation and then a not so good recommendation. It's okay. <laughs> well, it's I'll hop in there. I recommend White Lotus if you haven't watched it yet. I recommend Wednesday if you haven't watched it yet. You must be looking mm. at a rock because it surpassed Stranger Things for the most viewed show ever. Plus, plus on one for Wednesday. Um. If you're looking for something to read, I recommend How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix. Um, And movie-wise, Megan was really good, and it just got greenlit for a sequel. So check it out. What about you, Julia? Um, Oh, and The Last of Us. Sorry. Watch the pilot for The Last of Us, because it was incredible. Ooh. Uh, let's see. So I've been doing lots of like deep thought stuff at work. Um, and when I do deep thought stuff, I need music to back me up, right? For the deep thought stuff. It's typically instrumental music I listen to. And so lately, and here's my recommendation, throwing it back to the year 1982, 
Um, George Winston is a concert piano player, aka pianist, which is a word that makes me both uncomfortable and giggle at the same time. <laughs> he has many albums, but his Christmas album is called December and it came out in 1982. Um, it has put me in the most delightful, focused mood with just tinges of Christmas all around it. It's almost felt therapeutic given my haste to exit the Christmas season this year. So I've been listening to that on repeat. What's it called? I'm sorry. It's called December Okay. by George Winston. And it's just piano solos. It's just him playing the piano. And it opens awesome. up with a song called Thanksgiving. Nice. It does. And um, you said that was 1982? From 1982. That's right. It was not. I just it was like, 1980. It was the year 1982. He a bat live on stage. The Falkland <laughs> War was taking place. <laughs> Love you, Jerry. <laughs> um, <laughs> highly recommend. Um, and I like to thank my brother for introducing George Winston to me at a very young age. Um, he also has a, a whole album where he redoes all of Vince Guaraldi's um, Peanuts favorites uh, with piano. That's also excellent. Um, so if you are in the mood for some mellow listening, I would highly suggest George Winston, um, particularly the December album. Uh, I have and to I add, have no pop addition, culture wrecks <laughs> right now. Uh, of course, we all recommend our, all of our friends on the Christmas Podcast Network. Mm, always. All of them. And I recommend two podcast series. One is called Sold a Story about the way our education system changed the way we teach children to read. And King's Last March, which is a podcast about the last couple of years of Martin Luther King Jr.'s life. And I learned a lot. Mm, nice. I'm just going to throw in two more pop culture recommendations. Interview with Vampire and AMC, season one. And The Mayfair Witches, which is also an Anne Rice adaptation, which is halfway through season one on AMC. So, hmm. Well, we have two weeks until we are back together again, all three of us friends. I hope you have a wonderful anniversary trip julia be sure to go out from mexican so you can enjoy a flaniversary with marty and anthony uh aloha mahala you guys uh all i know is uh you guys are my ohanu and ohanu means family and family means no one gets left behind thank you lilo oh, i love that all right. We only have 8,000. Well, what's coming up in two weeks? What do people have to look forward to, Tom? I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. Can't you tell? <laughs> I'm intentionally not bring it up. I'll go for it. <laughs> in two weeks, we are finally, after putting it on our schedule three or four times already and continuously pushing it, we're finally covering Fat Man. And then the week after that, we're diving back to Netflix for Merry Happy Whatever and Dash and Lily. And then Christmas with the Campbells is going to round out our February. Have y'all seen that movie? No, I don't no. know what it is. Came out this year with Justin Long and Brittany Snow. It's like a Hallmark movie, but Hallmark movies are written by Anthony because they talk like real people. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> think of that what you will, what I mean by that. But I'm really excited because after February, March is our TV month. 
and we are covering hey. blackish and ghosts and Abbott Elementary, and we have tons of fun stuff coming up. So I'm so I'm excited. excited. I'm very Jerry excited. is joining us for Fat Man too. He did take us up on our offer, so we'll have Jerry awesome. for right Christmas. Excellent. What is not excellent is that we still have to wait eight thousand sixty-four hours until Christmas. That is three hundred and thirty-six days. Forty-eight weeks, y'all. You know what is excellent about that, though, guys? Be with a two-week jump. We're really going to see those numbers jump next time. Yeah, yeah we are really like <laughs> fast forward. Christmas. They will jump. They will jump. We'll still have over seventy-five hundred hours. <laughs> Bye. Bye, y'all. I may sound double Dutch, but my delight is such. I feel as if a losing war's been won for me. And if I had a flag, I'd hang me flag out to add a sort of final victory time. But since I've left my flag at home, I simply have to say thank you very, very, very much. Thank you very, very, very much.